0: This is a podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Got a good one for you today. One of the candidates running to be the next mayor president here in East Baton Rouge Parish. In Baton Rouge, we have the mayor of the city of Baton Rouge and the president of the parish of East Baton Rouge, all taking place in November. And today our guest is former State Senator Sharon Weston-Broom, and you'll get a chance to hear her talk about why she believes she is the best candidate for the job. She'll talk about some of the recent news here in Baton Rouge, some of the events that have gone on over the last six weeks. Uh, A very interesting conversation with her. We initially intended to talk for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, but by the time I looked at the clock at the end of the discussion. We had spoken for more than an hour because we talked about the city's economy. We talked about expansion in North Baton Rouge. We talked a little bit about the police department and she gives you her opinion on the police department and also a surprise as it relates to her and the BRPD. I think it's going to catch a lot of people by surprise. She told me about it just before we sat to record the interview and it blew me away. And you'll hear it in the body of... Uh, that discussion. We talk about the situation with healthcare in North Baton Rouge. And I think this has really been more complicated than it's needed to be. I think there there is need for an ER there. And the fact that we have to debate that is just it's a shame to me. This isn't shouldn't be political. There should be an emergency room in that area. So you will hear Senator Broome talk about that and she's very confident, very passionate in this interview. And I look forward to getting feedback from you on that. Don't forget, you can hit the subscribe button to hear our show every week or multiple times during the week at podcast225.com. Just go to iTunes and subscribe there. You can also download the Talk 107.3 mobile app and hear the show there as well. Coming in the beginning of September, a new show to podcast225. And you'll hear about that next week. I will tell you who, when, and where. About that. Up next, state senator, former state senator, and current candidate for mayor, Sharon Weston Broom, here on The Clay Young Show.
1: Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 2 to 5 will be launching new shows, and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website, and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, Call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today.
0: This is The Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Back with State Senator Sharon Weston who is, as you've
1: heard, now a candidate for mayor-president here in Baton Rouge. So how are you? I'm doing great, Clay. I'm so glad to be here with you. I've been waiting for this day. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I
0: know, I know. So there's so much going on in Baton Rouge. The campaign is happening literally in the midst of a transition for our city. Yes. Qualifying for the political season, uh, you know, which is a three-day process. But basically the month around qualifying right. is when all the buzz is going on and you've got What happened on late July 4th, early July 5th that changed Baton Rouge? And so we kind of need to start there because no matter what your agenda may have been going into the political season, everything's different now.
1: Absolutely. And I will say, Clay, when uh, qualifying took place on July 20th, Mm -hmm. actually for me as a candidate, It was some of the first political activity that I engaged in because of those tragic weeks that took place in our city and our parish. And so um, uh, for a lot of that time, I put my uh, fundraising on pause and campaign and was really focused on uh, the deep sense of hurt that was going on in our community and how I could be supportive— uh, as a citizen sure. and as someone who has uh, been a leader in this community for quite some time. And so now I believe that we're we're at this junction uh, where people, there's still healing taking yeah, place. Yeah. There's still some crucial and critical conversations taking place and that need to take place. But um, I believe that our problems are real, but they are not insurmountable. Right. Uh, even though they can feel overwhelming to us uh, right now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I think that uh, we as a city and a parish, certainly uh, as I have shared with people, the theme of justice continues to resonate. And that theme of justice, as I've shared with people, is always applicable across the board. It is, it, but mm-hmm. it's. it seems like it's such...
0: It's a word that, depending on where you're standing, mm-hmm. it could mean different things. Which, which is something. You know, it's like truth. Truth. You think well, truth is the opposite of lying. Well, but truth is different depending on the person you're speaking mm-hmm. to. And I think everyone will agree that we wish what took place on July 5th did not take
1: place. Absolutely. And
0: we certainly wish what took place a week and a half, almost two weeks later, hadn't taken place with the police officers.
1: Absolutely. But
0: we are where we are. Right,
1: right. So
0: when people who are sympathetic, and Sandra Sterling sat in that chair about mm-hmm. a month ago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when people are, are sympathetic to what happened with Alton, they think justice is either terminating the police officers or some kind of policy or legal change that ensures that something like that will never happen again. On the other side, when people think justice, they, they want a fair process to go all the way through. Some say a, a fair process means the officers are exonerated. Some say a fair process is just letting it play itself out. And whatever the mm-hmm. outcome is, that's the mm-hmm. outcome. So you see how the target right, moves.
1: Right, I can certainly see that. So
0: now as as a candidate for the city's mm-hmm. top executive elected position and the parish's elected top position, how do you get those two sides to at least come to some middle yeah. ground.
1: Well, well, let me say this. I believe um, certainly your assessment has a, a, a strong level of accuracy sure. in it. Sure. Um, and there are individuals who, who uh, believe that we should have certain outcomes. Mm-hmm. But at the core, I believe that everyone... Uh, especially, let's just start with the Alton Sterling case. Sure. And this is not an unfamiliar case. And what do I mean by it's not an unfamiliar case? You know it. Mm. You're in media. We have seen all over uh, America take place. And um, basically what I'm hearing from the community is because it is in the hands of justice, the federal justice system, first, I believe that people are glad that, it's the decision. The first initial decision is being made there. Yeah. So it takes it uh, in a more exhaustive external process. Right. Uh, secondly, though, I believe that certainly people um, have a certain outcome that they believe, based on what they what we've seen, right. should take place. Mm-hmm. But above all, they want to make sure that there is an exhaustive. Um, an exhaustive process of looking at what the, the facts of the, uh, what happened and then making a decision. Um, I do believe also, Clay, and I'll be very transparent with you, that there are certain, um, certainly a lot of people who don't have a lot of hope when it comes to the scales of, of justice. Explain. Well, uh, I, you know, for many of the, te- the decisions that have been made recently surrounding similar mm-hmm. instances uh, have not been favorable in terms of um, the person who was the victim at that particular time. Sure, sure. And so the, it has caused different reactions in different communities. Would you like uh, any coffee? You're good? I'm good, okay. thanks. Uh, different reactions in different uh, communities. And so uh, I believe that we are at a point in our community right now um, that we cannot, while the situations are similar, they are not identical. Okay. And what do I mean by that? I mean that Baton Rouge has a unique character. Uh, Baton Rouge is a unique city. We are not some of the cities that we've seen uh, on television. Absolutely. And, so, and I'm proud of that, too. Yeah, I am, too. Yeah. I'm, I am, too. And so, so I, um, I certainly believe that we're, we will not be defined um, by what we have seen in other cities. Right. But that we recognize that we have to move forward as a community. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, Clay that we've got to have what what has happened in these situations that have surrounded Alton Sterling and the police officers sure. has has certainly served as a catalyst mm-hmm. for us as a community to deal with some issues that we haven't dealt with before in a in a very deliberate fashion and constructive way and constructive so and constructive i agree
0: it's forcing a discussion mm-hmm. about what's happening in Baton Rouge and you know, I, I did some radio last week and I talked about this. I said, you know, it's interesting the, the, the notions we can often have mm-hmm. about one another from distances apart. In North Baton Rouge, the majority of the people who are there and in inner city communities are not cr- criminals.
1: Absolutely And have not. no interest
0: in breaking the law. Mm-hmm. In the inner city, uh, excuse me, no, no, on the other side of town, in mm-hmm. southeast Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. I don't think that there is a majority of people there who hate black people and who don't want to help anybody. And and I just think having a discussion where people can say, "Okay, what can we do to make things better? That has to be the outcome. Right. And it's it was discouraging at first because when in the in the direct aftermath of this, I didn't hear a whole lot of that. Like, how do we address what went on in an honest way, but also get better? And I know those, dis- those discussions may have been going on, but they just didn't seem to get the attention. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I, I I think what happened, what you what what we experienced, Clay, as a community and as a city, is that there was so much there was so much outrage at yeah. what was taking place, and there was so much hurt, grief, um, uh, that that folks, you know, want, wanted to uh, have discussions, but. It was all about timing. The yeah. timing wasn't right. And so right. what we saw was, you know, the week or so after we started seeing conversations, big conversations that different organizations uh, were uh, implementing, such as Together Baton Rouge. Right. I think they had one of the first big conversations. Then we started, we also started seeing uh, conversations take Place and forums and panel discussions yeah. in churches and with nonprofit organizations surrounding uh, what took place in our community as well. And so I think those steps were steps towards action uh, action to unify our city, mm-hmm. um, action towards talking about a new phase of public safety yeah. in our community. Um, action that uh, started conversations about a new phase of Uh, citizens and police collaborating together. Let's
0: stick there just for a second, because we've heard a lot about that. Mm -hmm. Community policing means a lot of different things. I know people have a definition of what it is. It goes, it's everything from the relationship between law enforcement and communities to communities, uh, effectively policing in a nonviolent way themselves through neighborhood watch and, you know, neighborhood connectivity and, and, and all of that. And it's, it's a, Multifaceted thing that I'm not really qualified to even try to sound like an expert on, but for you running for mayor, what does that mean? How do you, how do you address the chasm that is between law enforcement and some communities in this town?
1: So, um, if you don't mind me giving you a little history, let's do it. I will do that. Um, I served on the city council right in the late '80s. Yeah.
0: Oh, we were going to run through the resume. That's in the <laughs> you, don't, body. Uh, you don't have to run through it. <laughs>
1: please, please don't run through no. it. Anyway. Well, because it's, it's germane <laughs> yeah. to a couple yeah, of the points is. of, of discussion, it but is. go ahead. You, you. So, so I'll start there. But what, what, the point I wanted to make is back in 89, uh, I believe it was, um, when I was a council person, sure. I invited um, a chief of police from Charleston, South Carolina, Reuben Greenberg, okay. to visit Baton Rouge. And the reason why I invited him um, was because he was one of the authors right. of community policing. Right. right. And that was over two decades mm-hmm. ago. And so I had wrapped my, yeah, exactly. I had wrapped my mind around this is something we need in our community, community policing. This is a good concept. So I invited him to come down, look at the community, give us some suggestions, recommendations, uh, talked about it at the council. And I will tell you that it fell on deaf ears at that time. why I believe it had a lot to do with an outsider coming in and that sometimes we don't welcome Uh, constructive feedback, you know, in this part of the
0: world, we generally like it to come from here and not outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And but he was willing to do this. Sure. um, And the ultimate goal was to empower and strengthen our community Mm -hmm. towards public safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is not to tout my resume, but to say that that we would have been so far ahead in in this community policing era. Yeah. If we had started it a long time ago. right. And so going back to your question as it relates to how do we define community policing or how do I define yeah. community policing? I think that community policing, and it's very interesting. I heard some comments last night on a forum and I'll talk about that. But for me, community policing is the police officers uh, and the citizens collaborating and having a relationship. Yeah. And so I love to give this example. You may have seen it where there's a police officer, and I forgot his name, and um, he was used as an example in Arkansas. Um, And you you look at the video, and he's coming into a neighborhood, Mm -hmm. and as he's coming into the neighborhood, the children in the neighborhood run to the car. And we'll just say his name was Officer Young. And they say, Officer Young, <laughs> Officer Young, we thought that was you. We've been waiting for you to come all day. Well, you know why they're running to him and not from him? It's because he says in this interview that he comes there almost every day. He spends time with them. He sits on the porch. He talks to the parents and he talks to everybody. And so he has built a relationship with sure. the people in the community. Now, I was at a forum last night. I was not on the forum, but I was a um, spectator in the audience and an avid listener. And I heard some of our local officers say, and I think there's merit to this, that community policing is something that should just be a part of a regular police officer's resume because you are a public servant to the community and that you it should, it should not necessarily be uh, a, a different category of policing, yeah. but it should be a part a part of, of the job of the job
0: Well you know Jeff Laduff is is known for being someone who was mm-hmm. always in communities, mm-hmm. regardless of the color of the community, he was al- he was always right. out. <clears throat> and Jeff and I are pretty good friends, and he talks about how he would get out of his office get in his cruiser, just him and go without entourage would just go. And I agree with you that it it is better if people have a rapport with the officers they see and you begin to know them, you recognize their face, they see kids grow up, they see families come and go over time. And I I don't think that's that's a bad thing or should be like pulling teeth to get. The other side of the coin, though, is there are communities that are very recalcitrant or or resistant to police, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. So even if an officer tried, He's going to meet resistance now. Am I saying that that's an excuse not to try? Nope, not saying that at all. But that reality exists, and I'd like you to speak to that.
1: And so the reality does exist, and that comes from history. And so what we have to do, oftentimes, not only history, but it comes from it comes from history. It comes from. Uh, You know, television, just the media, a a lot of different things on both sides. And the media doesn't often help, Mm -mm.
0: help causes. I don't think they did us a lot of favors in the aftermath of what happened here with Alton Sterling.
1: And so and so uh, what I think has to take place is that we have to change the paradigm. Right. And that takes work and time and it takes work, time and intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. It takes intentionality. So, you know, when I come here and talk to you, Clay, about uh, community policing, I'm not just talking pie in the sky. Sure. I'm talking that we have to take and I will take some deliberate steps as the mayor to make sure there's a special emphasis on community how policing how do you do that? How, well, how do you do that? Well of course it first I believe everything rises and falls on leadership. All right. And so when the mayor tells the and communicates this uh, this vision, this goal to the new police chief, whoever sure. the police chief sure, is, sure. then I believe the police chief embraces that and makes it a part of, a, you know, a top priority in the agenda in the department. What
0: if he or she does not? What if he or she says to, <laughs> now, now granted, we have to understand the police chief is appointed by the mayor president. Correct. So it isn't an independent mm-hmm. elected position, mm-hmm. but let's say you call them up uh, to your office to say, hey, this is something that is a priority to me. I want you to go make this happen. And they say, listen, I, I I appreciate your initiative, but we don't have the manpower uh, nor the time to invest in this. Mm-hmm.
1: Your response would be? Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you? No, no I did not. And well, then what? And, and so then what, I would say, you know, I, I'm not the type of person that, that sees the glass as half empty. Oh, I sure. see the glass as half full. And so... If it's a priority, not only for me, but for our community, Mm -hmm. then we have to look at ways to make it happen. We have to see where we can make some adjustments. And sometimes, Clay, that doesn't mean a huge overhaul immediately. It means a step-by-step process to get us closer to where we need to be. It
0: takes time. I watched what Sid did out in the... uh, western northwestern part of the parish if you will actually no, it's old south baton rouge here in gardier Mm -hmm. and how he's out there there's a substation out there off of burbank and how he puts off uh, deputies out there in the communities and we don't hear as much about gardier you remember there was a time that when you turn on the news and almost every evening you're hearing about something else in gardier in the gardier area and that's a particular part of baton rouge for those listening in other places putting people on the ground Creating that relationship, I think, is important. But I want to ask you about this: police pay. Mm -hmm. Another roadblock to getting more people to become Baton Rouge police officers is the fact that they make about thirty-two thousand dollars a year starting out. That's tough for someone who hopes to have a family or someone who has a family. Mm -hmm. How do we address that? Mm
1: -hmm. So we have to look. We have to look at our budget. We have to make some adjustments. Not just, let me broaden that conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think that um, police officers should, especially uh, with the intensity of the job that they have, to protect and serve. Sure. I don't think that they should spend 40 hours a week making a paycheck and then have to spend another 30 hours a week in overtime trying not to lose their home to yeah to make ends meet right and so that is something that I definitely want to look at to see if we Mm -hmm. have margin to do that and that's applicable I said this to a group yesterday Clay you know, we talk about we want a, a a strong city, you know, a united city, a a city where everyone feels that they can thrive yeah. and prosper. Yeah. And so the it's up to the it's up to me as mayor to make sure that that takes place or at least to create the environment. Now the reason why I say that is so many times you hear, well, strong families make strong communities. You've heard right. that clay. It's true. It's though, true, right? it's true. Yeah. But guess what? You cannot Have a strong family if you're working three jobs to make ends meet and dad somewhere and mom somewhere because they're working and not investing and nurturing into into the home. But
0: how do you impact that as mayor president?
1: Well, I I impacted first first of all by talking more about um, uh, I impacted first (laughs) um, by the area that I have a sphere of influence Mm -hmm. over and that would be City Parish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I hear people in DPW talk about how they are so far, and it's not just a talk, it's, you know, it's actual, so far down on the, the pay scale mm-hmm. that many of them have to work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. And it's applicable to our police officers yeah. as well. So we've got to really look at our priorities and, and make sure that uh, with the budget that we have, that we're maximizing what's important. And yeah. if, if strong families are important to our community, then we need to make, see where we can make some adjustments to make right. that happen, not only for police, but for other workers as well.
0: I, you know, I agree. As it relates to the police department, what is your impression of the Baton Rouge Police Department?
1: Yeah, let me tell you uh, uh, a little known fact about Sharon yeah, Weston I, I Actually, I just
0: heard this before we started. It blew me away. I think it's going to blow a, blow a lot yeah, of people away it's going to blow well. a
1: lot of people away. So when I was a young woman, uh, which I'm still relative, I there still consider go. myself so young. Where are we going you know? with this? Yeah, yeah. When I was a younger woman, you I'll say that. Um, it was in the year 79 or 80. Yeah. Um, I was about 21, 22. Yeah. And, uh, I applied to be a police officer with the Baton Rouge Police Department. Shut my mouth. Yes. And so <laughs> She said
0: that to me before we started. I said, yeah, "What?"
1: Yeah. So little known fact about Sharon Weston Broom uh, cuz I've been so on. And so um so I I say that to set the tone. Obviously, I uh, saw at that time and still see police as part of public uh, uh, as uh, fulfilling the role of public servants yep they protect do. and mm-hmm. serve making a positive impact Absolutely. on the community certainly protecting certainly their tough times mm-hmm. but overall protect serve mm-hmm. public servants that was my motivating factor for even filling out that application. And I was, you know, getting vetted and I backed up. And I'll tell you, why. I think I backed up. I've been processing this. Of course, it was a few years ago. So, but I I think that was uh, part of the seed of my uh, path of public service. service right. That as a young person, I knew I wanted to serve my community and was trying to figure out how that would manifest. Right. And so I backed up on that. But a few years later, down the road, I ended up offering myself for public service mm-hmm. for elected office. So I, I'm bringing that up, Clay, because that's my that's my vision of 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 po- of the police department and what a police department should be like. Now. We're fast forwarding from that time when I filled out that application, um,
0: which was a different time in which America. Which was a different time,
1: well. different time,
0: and so lots of things aren't as weren't as good then as they are now, and that's exactly, not that long ago. Exactly,
1: but. exactly. And so we find ourselves in a place where obviously there's need, there's room for improvement, and that's always applicable sure. across, always applicable across the spectrum. board. Right. And so it, it's incumbent upon me. I'm not trying to you know shoot darts at, at the police department, but I do uh, believe it's incumbent upon me to make sure that um, we, that we have training for our mm-hmm. police department. and when I say training elevated training for our police department, that we look at the issue of uh, pay raises, that we talk about issues that help close the gap. Mm-hmm between citizens and the police. When the vice president was here uh, a week or so ago- Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. I listened very intensely as he spoke and as everyone spoke, but one of the things that he said very candidly at, at the memorial was that in America, we have to close the distance between the police and the citizens, and that's applicable here in Baton Rouge we have to close that distance it takes work on both sides and it takes it, yeah. it, you're absolutely right. right it takes work work on both sides and that's why we need citizens and the police to come together and and collaborate and talk you can't you can't improve the situation sure. if we don't have conversations and, and talk about
0: this and it depends on who's leading those conversations but yeah. that's the we'll get to that in a mm-hmm. little bit but I want to go specifically back to this point because I know that you've taken fire from people who think that you're anti-police or that you, you don't have a good feeling about or, or that you are against the Baton Rouge Police Department and directly to that line of thinking, you say...
1: Absolutely not. I, I am not against the Baton Rouge Police Department. I think, as I said, I wouldn't have filled out that application many years ago if I didn't feel that, they're, uh, uh, that they were indeed a, a part of the equation of... Of uh, the public, you know, being a public servant. Uh, is there room for improvement? Absolutely. Listen, I've had,
0: <laughs> I've had former police chiefs sit in that chair and say the same thing mm-hmm. to me about improvement, but that exists again in any career yeah. field. And I don't think that it's an indictment of the whole oh, absolutely to say not. that you want to make it absolutely better. Absolutely
1: not. Absolutely not. There are some, you know, there are some outstanding police officers you know them, mm-hmm. I know them, the oh, people sure. in the community know oh, them. Sure. I was at a, um, uh, as I said, a forum last night, and one of the guys that uh, worked for the sheriff's department, um, I, a lady said afterwards, I know that when he comes out, he doesn't come out, you know, he, he people respect him right. when he comes into the community, right. but he's built those relationships over the years, a captain. And wow. then I had there was a there was a more seasoned uh, officer who talked about a younger officer mm-hmm. who was making an impact in the community. So there there are certainly um, wonderful police officers, but just like with any within any organization, there you come across some people who, as we use the term, some of the bad apples. And yeah. so the issue is we need to make sure that we create an environment in the police department that helps them, uh, improve and helps them, um, um, have the necessary tools that they need to be the best that they can be to do their mission, which is protect and serve. And so we've got, we've got some work to do with that. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: young black men, I, and I know that you are involved with community organizations. You've helped start some, I volunteer with groups to try to find disaffected and quote unquote lost young men find themselves and find their path. And there are young men who have not done anything criminal, but they're kind of on the brink of the precipice because of either broken homes or whatever reason. I don't think that that's a reason to give up on them. But we do have to address the fact that we, and I don't call it a problem, I say it's an issue, that that it it requires our attention because so many of these young men roam the streets all hours of the night, they get into all kinds of trouble, they're not accountable to anyone, and it's a thing that we don't often like to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is an issue of lobbing bombs or being critical, I Mm -hmm. see young people who, if we don't help them do better for themselves. We'll be either taking care of them as a member of the criminal justice system mm-hmm. or worse, we'll be reading about them being shot to death on a street corner. Mm-hmm. But we got to talk about that. Now, I'm not saying that that is directly applicable to what we just finished talking about. But right. as a candidate for mayor, mm-hmm. obviously you're African-American. <laughs> so you know about what what is happening. How do we do something to affect these young people?
1: So it is a, it, it is a, um, a massive issue that has to be addressed that impacts, um, that I'm concerned about as an, as an African American first and foremost, but just somebody who realizes the potential in some of those young men and someone who does not want them to waste their potential, Mm -hmm. their God-given potential. Mm -hmm. And so let me talk about a little bit uh, about an initiative that um, I believe is part of the equation, and then I'm going to build up to uh, this, what we're dealing with presently in our community. Um, I want to institute a, uh, I'm gonna start calling it, I was calling it Cradle to Cave, but now I'm impressed to call it Cradle to Career in many ways. I believe that we have to start early, Clay, Mm -hmm. in terms of getting our children on a path to success. Mm -hmm. And that has to start in the cradle early childhood development. Now you say, what is the mayor talking about early childhood development? Well, I also believe that the mayor has to be concerned about everything that impacts the city. And so what you just said impacts our city. I'm concerned about it, Mm -hmm. I wanna respond to it. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways is to have um, uh, uh, wraparound services, programs, um, using Southern University, LSU, BRCC, and other stakeholders who can help us, even if it's a pilot program, identify some young people in our community, not young people. I'm going back to the cradle, yeah. some cradled some families uh, who were just uh, have some newborns and see how we can do uh, what we can do to make sure that they're on that path. Who pays for so, that, though? I knew you were going to <laughs> <laughs> say that. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. And so, what? listen, everything is not about is about a dollar. No, you, no,
0: everything's you, not about look, a dollar, we, we, but it's got to be paid this, for. I know.
1: And so this is, the, this is the way we do it. It's happening in other cities as a pilot program. And guess who are some of the main stakeholders? Who's that? Some of your friends. That's true. The business community. Listen,
0: last time I went to get my <laughs> wallet, I shook hands with Uncle Sam. Sam, he had his hand in my pocket. But
1: but listen, the business community are some of the biggest stakeholders in a program like this. I agree. You know what? And you
0: know what? There are people in business who do give to causes. That help, and, and that's true yeah. because I've sent checks to programs, but I gotta ask who's gonna pay yeah. for this? Because so, you know,
1: so it, it won't be it won't be a you know we're not trying to create another big voluminous uh, program. There you go. You know, I believe we have we what we do is we develop the infrastructure mm-hmm. in terms of what we have existing right now Mm -hmm. whether it's in city parish government whether it's in our school system it's going to have to be a collaboration that's why i said or whether it's uh grants that we get because we have a southern university or lsu or brcc involved in the process but i'm going to bring the stakeholders to the table and then we're going to to map out if it's going to be a pilot program Mm -hmm. or uh, if we're going to target certain areas and and um, uh, start with children who were born in 2017, you know. So yeah. that's, that's But the issue is, the issue goes to what you talked about, is we've got to start earlier addressing some of the issues that we see with our young teens and with our young men.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I want to transition to, to, to some other things mm-hmm. as, as well. Um, the business community here or the business climate in Baton Rouge has been pretty good the last several years. I mean, we've seen expansion here. No one can criticize the fact that in under KIPP's three terms, we've seen a growth in business. We've seen development. We have more restaurants here, more after hours activity for people, Mm -hmm. more companies are investing in Baton Rouge and coming here. So it's been relatively good. And I know coming in that you have to have an economic prong to your platform so then, what is it, and mm-hmm. what do you hope to do if elected?
1: Well, certainly, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I will say that our you know our mayor has done a great job. Our present mayor has done a great job in terms of uh, attracting new businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to make economic prosperity a priority for the entire community. Okay. for the You're talking about community. the northern part of the, of the yeah, city. As, as, yes, the, there are a lot of um, areas that have voids, and one of the ones that we consistently hear about most recently is the northern Quarter of the parish. And so what do we do to improve economic growth and economic development? Well, uh, first of all, I think let's start with city parish. Okay. Uh, I think we have to make sure that city parish government contracts, uh, that small businesses know how to access those contracts, how to access business with city parish government. I think that it's very important that I work with our school system to make sure that uh, we education is correlated and connected to impacting job creation in our community. Uh, one of
0: Which the, it does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, for example, let me just give you some, some ideas about the northern quarter of the parish. There are a lot of assets there. Uh, one of the assets is the Baton Rouge Airport. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the Baton Rouge Airport – Uh, working with the airport, we can use it as an economic engine to help create jobs. When I was in the Senate, and um, I gave a lot of, uh, I designated Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of dollars towards the Baton Rouge Airport, its development, and the most recently, the business park there. Right, And I think that there are some, I know that there are some corresponding small jobs that can be created with the help of input from people at Southern University like Dr. Mike Stubblefield, who is an expert in that area, mm-hmm. and making sure that we create the um, the educational component that is needed, the workforce training that is needed to coincide with an opportunity at the airport. So that's one thing. I, I believe also that um rooftops are certainly equated with economic growth and development. We have a lot of, and look, if you're in the southern corridor of the parish, where a lot of growth and development is taking place, it often follows the housing growth in that community. All right. And so there's a lot of opportunity for housing development and growth in the northern court of the parish.
0: Define and, that, though. Okay. It, it, and I'm and not it, just
1: talking about low income. Oh, sure. Uh, I'm talking well, about diverse. No, you, you couldn't mix. be
0: talking about yeah. just low yeah. income. Yeah. Not Mixed. to draw big businesses there. Exactly.
1: Because big businesses, one of they the want things want people that, with
0: disposable income.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so one of the things, first of all, when you have rooftops, yeah. you uh, have construction, yeah, employment, jobs. Yep. When you have uh, rooftops, it attracts businesses. Mm-hmm because they are looking for places for their employees to live. Right. Look at what happened downtown. For the most part, uh, IBM created their own apartment complex sure. for the people sure. to live there. And so if we're going to attract new businesses, then we have to have diverse housing that um, you, I, anyone would be willing to live in. And then when you have the rooftops, the rooftops attract retail yeah. We see what's going on in other areas. And then roof, the rooftops attract entertainment. And so what happens then, Clay? We see the evolvement of the same type of community throughout Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. not just in one segment. But it's not going to be equal, though. It's not going. Let me tell you why it's not going to be equal. Okay. Okay. Let <laughs> me tell you why it's not going to be equal. The opportunity is there, right. Because the land is there, absolutely, and it's it's going to take me as mayor yeah. to be very aggressive in attracting economic attracting businesses to that area. So so I get that. But the other part of that equation, Clay, is that communities rise and fall together. Yeah. And so if you have part of your community at an A grade. And another part of your community at a D grade sure. struggling, sure. then it's going to take a little bit more to get that D up to an A. No, I know I you never got any D's in school, but for those, <laughs> you know, for people who got, I had a D in zoology once, and I was struggling because I wanted to pass that class, and it took a little bit more effort yeah. to get it up to the, yeah. the A. Yeah, and so that's the same. No, listen, you know, it's
0: it's fair. It's I want to. I think investment is important because businesses want to see a return. On Harding over there between, you know, right by Plank, you see a little more development. Oh, absolutely. And I know that uh, the, the area out where the surgical hospital used to be, mm-hmm. there's some buildings there and a couple of those spaces sit unused. And so, I mean, I've moved around over there. I've had clients over there and obviously Southern's up there. And you know, I want to know more about getting small businesses started, but not in the way of just doing business with the government oh, and I way of you. service contract yeah. if if i am yeah if i if i have a skill set and if i can get access to operational capital yes then i don't need the government to help me pay my bills and to do anything i can start a business and hopefully with hard work and you know knock on wood mm-hmm. a, a little bit of mm-hmm. a favor there i can do okay I think that is mostly what that area needs, right?
1: Oh, I hold hard. Look, we know that small businesses are the economic drivers of communities. Of America. Of America, exactly. (laughs) So so the more small businesses we create – The more people thrive, the more they prosper. The more we move obstructions to small businesses. No question. And so, yeah, I'm not saying that in order for us to thrive and prosper as a community, we have to rely on government opportunities. Mm -hmm. I believe that there are... Uh, for example, I've had two significant conversa- conversations with developers okay. who get it, who understand urban developing, who who, uh, who are willing to uh, look at the possibilities mm-hmm. of what we can do as it relates to entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. um, and then as once again, we've got programs at uh, Southern University. BRCC LSU that that we can train people who want to or give them empower them with the information right to be small entrepreneurs right. I want to you know I want to see Baton Rouge thrive and prosper in technology yep you know that's that's a wave of the future and we
0: should not fall behind and that's absolutely a good point absolutely not and, and I think there was a time where it looked like we were going to be a little bit ahead of the curve yeah. and I don't know that I feel that way anymore
1: well I I'm, I'm going to push it as mayor because you know we we have a gym in the technology park mm-hmm. uh, over on Florida Boulevard a lot of small business yeah. tech talk are about over an there.
0: example of taking you know uh, Something taking something that was nothing and turning it into mm-hmm. something that old mall and that exactly. whole area, and now Bon Carre is just a, I mean, it's 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 really like you said, it's a gym. Yeah, there.
1: In fact, yeah. I, I, I had an opportunity to expose people in the community to it as a senator when we had a um girls gigabytes and gadgets day over there, right. You know, to talk about STEM. Yeah, and so what's happening in our in our school system. STEM is being emphasized, mm-hmm. so we have to create opportunities for our young people. At, we're saying STEM, STEM, STEM is right, the way. Right. Well, we need to make sure that we create those opportunities. Right. And we can start in, with with small initiatives. Mm-hmm. Everything isn't about you know voluminous. Oh at the sure. Beginning. And and I want to transition a little bit and talk about something I see. Um, you know, I, you you talked about financing. Mm-hmm. And um, I would love, I plan to have a conversation, of course, you know, banks are are private entities. But when we talk about building a community and that everybody can thrive and prosper, we need all the stakeholders at the table to see what can you do. Right. You know, what can you do in your shop to help us make this happen? What can you do in your shop, in media, in banking, in business, you know, whatever your business, to help us help make this happen i i was thinking the other day and had a conversation with somebody i was thinking about um main street market downtown yeah people come to that i think it's every week that they have main street Mm -hmm. market i've been down there several times but um there's you know it is a great attraction uh, vendors come with foods and you know whatever yeah. entrepreneurs yeah. come with their whatever it is variety sure. diverse what prohibits us from doing the same th- thing with a main street market in the northern quarter of the parish and scenic highway and carving out some time to do that on saturday what prohibits us from having main street markets all over Bat- I mean Rouge I think you on can do main street well, markets saturday
0: you could do it all over Baton Rouge yeah. but here's the thing if you did it out, you know, we don't as need we to do it in as reality. we look, <laughs> <laughs> that's good as I'm turning the point outside of the window here and you can see blue bonnets, You don't need to do it out here. The mall's down the street. Right. But I but but that's too my that was going right. to be my point. If right. you did something like that out here, it's going to be well attended cuz people do that anyway. Yeah. If you uh, go north of here to Shenandoah and O'Neill, it would be well attended. Maybe out around LSU close to the river, it would be well attended. In the northern part of the city, not the parish, because Baker, Zachary mm-hmm. and Central, you could do it there and it mm-hmm. would be well attended. Let me ask this question. And it's not rhetorical. I really want to understand. There are people who live in Scotlandville. OK. And there are people who live in Scotlandville who've had long careers in, in, in industries from attorneys to doctors to uh, people who've worked at Exxon. And yes, there are people of, of that diverse career mm-hmm. you know spectrum who are there. They don't spend money there; they drive over here. Mm-hmm. Now, some things that you can get here, you you could put there as well. There are some stores exactly. that you can put, but there are some stores that you you're not you're not gonna put them all up there. Right. There's not gonna be a Perkins Row up there yet. There's yet. not gonna be a town center up there yet because disposable income is not to a level where anyone's gonna make that capital investment. Mm-hmm. That's just the way the real mm-hmm. world works. But if if we said in six weeks we're gonna do a main street market in that part of the town. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it would be successful. I'm not saying it would or it wouldn't, I'm not, but I you know, Mm -hmm. I shoot straight here on this thing. Yeah, I appreciate your honesty. So, but that isn't an excuse not to try, because I always go back to that, because just because something's hard doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you shouldn't try. So then if I'm unsure it's gonna be successful, Mm -hmm. then what do you do to not only on that side ensure success, but to get me to understand it's worth a try to do. Does mm-hmm. that make
1: sense? Yeah, well, I get you to, first of all, uh, you know, I believe that it has great potential for success mm-hmm. because it will fill some of the voids that people uh, are asking for when yeah. it comes to, you know, fresh vegetables and fresh sure, fruits sure. or different things. So I, I think it will definitely uh, fill a void. But the other attraction is that. It is a, um, the financing for something like that. And, in fact, I talked to a, uh, a gentleman, two gentlemen, not long ago this past weekend, and they said that's something they would love to invest in. Oh, wow. Okay. They said they would love to invest in. I have a witness who was at the table with me <laughs> when they said that because they see that as positive, progressive. Right. Sure. You know, it's happening all sure, over sure, in other sure. cities. It's happening in our city, yeah. and you know, the price tag to underwrite something like that is not huge. Mm-hmm. And so, as business investments go, it would n- even if it didn't work, which I think it will work. There would not be a big loss surrounding you still want to make your money back. You still want to make your money back, but I'm just saying, it, it, you know, it's not like you're building a restaurant. You put uh, money in building a building, and then you're out of business, sure. you know. Th- th- there's no structure that's needed, mm-hmm. you know, so the overhead is very low. And for small businesses that are trying to get off the ground, low overhead is essential. I So I agree
0: with you. But let's transition a little bit uh, because this is not the first time we're going to do this between now and no, not I can the come last back. time. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, economic development. We've talked about that. We've talked about law enforcement. We, we would be remiss in talking about North Baton Rouge if we didn't talk about the emergency care mm-hmm. uh, situation mm-hmm. that is there. Now, I've said this before. I don't believe there is going to be a hospital built there now because I don't believe that the funding for it, as we know it exists, for a full scale hospital, standalone ER, not only do I think we should try to do that, I think it's a travesty that there isn't one there because it's such a shame, especially with Baton Rouge General Mid City now being closed. You know, you were you the mayor president, so mm-hmm. you're the mayor of Baton Rouge. President of the Parish of East Baton Rouge, but that's a state-level thing and federal-level thing as it relates to a lot of the funding. How do you lead that charge? And you know how it works because you spent time in the legislature helping lots of initiatives get mm-hmm. started. How do we fix that?
1: Well, you know, I believe, Clay, that we cannot move forward as a um, parish together unless everybody has equal access to quality health care near their neighborhood. Sure. Sure. And um, of course, with the recent expansion of health care in Louisiana, uh, many of our citizens are now having access that they didn't have. And when mm-hmm. I say expansion, I mean you know the um, receiving the uh, health care expansion sure. that, that our new governor did. And so um, I believe that it's very imperative that the mayor, president take a leading role in ensuring that access uh, to health care is not across town, but Right around the corner, you know, for everyone. So what does that look like in my mind? It looks like that we create a uh, community health center in North Baton Rouge that serves as a national model for efficient care delivery for the underserved. Like a health clinic? Well, let me expand on that. Let me expand on that. There's a model that's been uh, touted um, in, in many areas, a medical mall model and it's, it's massive they have one in Jackson Mississippi and so I would like to see that concept come to um, Baton Rouge um, I think we, we I know we have an area where something like that could be developed of course the de- you know we, we got to work out the details sure. we would have to build some partnerships and and certainly there are some organizations that have already started exploring the potential of sure. having that here in Baton Rouge I think recently we had a breakthrough and first I want to applaud the citizens who took the initiative to talk very passionately uh, and advocate very passionately and deliberately for an emergency room in North Baton Rouge. I think
0: there ought to be one there.
1: The, yeah, I do too. I do too. And 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 so uh, I, I that's wanna, not even
0: a political issue. That, no, I mean, no, that's just,
1: yeah, it's that's a, just it's common a, sense. It's, it's common sense, absolutely. We
0: shouldn't there, put everything under the prism of pol- politics and race I and agree. anything else. I agree. There should be an ER.
1: And here. let me just say this, Clay. I've had um, many um, meet and greets throughout the community, a sure. number, and that is oh, a, sure. a consensus. Most people issue. feel that Most way. Most people, whether there we're should, out here on Blue Bonnet no or question. across town, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, yeah. on Big Bend. Yeah. People believe that. Yeah. And so, yes, we, we need an uh, emergency room. And I am very optimistic, but I was talking about the citizens who started um, talking about it very passionately right, right. and uh, not only passionately, but started taking steps, you know, um, with the how Place development. And so um, since then, there has been uh, there have been a number of conversations, and as it is my understanding, and I think you probably saw it too, that the governor has made a commitment to uh, uh, a to a um, emergency room in North Baton Rouge. He better do it. And 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 one of the conversations that he had yeah. was with Our Lady of the Lake Hospital, yeah. um, because they have a clinic out. there. On uh, airline highway. That's right,
0: close to where the old, old Earl K. K. Long was. Yeah,
1: that uh, is underutilized, and it's an urgent care center. Mm-hmm. But it's and I know the history of it, and yeah. would like to talk about sure, it for sure. a minute. But uh, it's it's a first class, state of the art facility, uh, and uh, it is now an urgent care center. Um, but when it was built, it was built under LSU, right? Uh, because it was. Make, we wanted to make sure that there was not a void, a total void. After the after Earl K. Long after left. Earl K. Yeah. Long, and I like to get and I like to take the opportunity to add clarity. Um, some people don't realize this: the the process down at the Capitol, as you know, is fast and furious sometimes, mm-hmm. and so sometimes citizens don't know the history or how everything evolved. Right. And so um, when Earl Earl K. Long was a first-class hospital because it was a teaching hospital. No question. And people who understand health care know that teaching hospitals are some of the best places that you can come for health care. Same thing could
0: be said about Big Charity down in New Orleans. Exactly. So people said, I don't want to go to Big Charity. Well, there are lots of important people that said, if something happened to me, take me, take to, take me big, to Big, big Charity. charity. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so uh, I was always very supportive of Earl K. Long Hospital, yeah. the, the quality of care that you got there, but every year... Uh, we were having challenges with accreditation because unfortunately the facility was going down here, literally
0: falling apart. Yeah.
1: And you know, it was antiquated and falling apart. And so when Kathleen Blanco was in office, I approached her along with a few other colleagues about building a new hospital Mm -hmm. and the need for a new hospital. She was all on board. In fact, we put money in the budget for a new hospital you don't know how enthusiastic that made me uh, knowing that we would soon have a, uh, a new hospital. Well, as you know, um, new administration comes in mm-hmm. with a different agenda. And mm-hmm. th- that new administration was the Jindal administration. Yeah. And, and um, Bobby Jindal decides that I don't want to build new hospitals. I want to develop public-private partnerships. So the money that was in the budget for the new hospital went towards public-private p- partnerships and, and a new agenda. Yeah. Did, did we fight for a new hospital? Yes, we did. Did I fight for one? Yes, we did. But you know politics. Yep. It's all about the numbers yep. at the end of the day. Who has the votes? Yep. Um, but in that process, we said you cannot leave this community Barren without anything, and so that's we were. Where the uh, that's came where from. the clinic came from. Yeah, the clinic, came, and, it, and it's a state-of-the-art clinic. Well, it is,
0: and at the time, the general at Mid City was, was still, still going, there, that's and still it wasn't there. until a, 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 a substantial amount of time later mm. that they were losing two million a Absolutely. month. Absolutely, uh, you know, and then that came down to money, and so it's it's a simple thing. Again, for anyone who's against that, I just don't understand how you can be against an ER being there. Yeah. I, I just, to me, it's a decency thing. Right. Uh, and, and, and so, but I didn't want to address that because.
1: So I am in, I am absolutely in support and it'll be a priority okay. for me to shepherd an emergency room into that area. And
0: and just to be clear for people, mm-hmm. y- you have a long term idea for some kind of health care facility. Absolutely. And, but in the short run. Yes. ER. So how do those two things reconcile
1: then? Well, excellent question. They reconcile because when you look at the uh, health, you know, uh, literally a Baton Rouge, we have a lot of Challenges, you know, mm-hmm. as it relates to diabetes, mm-hmm. as it relates to HIV/AIDS, yeah. the list goes on. And so when you talk about a medical mall concept, you talk about a huge one-roof mm-hmm. where a lot of different opportunities to get access to sure. health care take place. Sure.
0: Who pays for that? <laughs>
1: You, it won't be in your pocket. It won't (laughs) be in your pocket. I doubt that very seriously. But I just think the ER thing, I think. Healthcare takes a lot of, uh, takes care of itself in many respects.
0: Well, that, that is, that is fair. But the ER thing going back to it, 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 Mm -hmm. it's so discouraging when that was seen as a political issue. And I'm like, no, no, no. We're talking about an ER, uh, not having an extra caviar booth out at airline and plank. That's not what we're talking about. It's.
1: Well, it's a shame. Let me tell you, Clay. Um, when Earl K. Long closed, everyone was very disheartened by that. Mm-hmm. When the Baton Rouge General Mid City, which was a private hospital, devastating, it was it took it to a whole different yeah. level. So once again, you have people from throughout the community mm-hmm. who are talking about what we agree on, mm-hmm. and. Everyone agrees, whether it's from a Blue Bonnet to another area of town, that we need an emergency room no question. in that area. No question. And so that's a universal no agreement question. that that everyone has. Look what happened the other day, Clay, when the um uh, the big shutdown of I-10 yeah. took place. That was Friday. Now, what, would, what if we had emergencies yeah. that people couldn't access? I don't yeah. Yeah, see,
0: I actually I I did not think about that, but you're absolutely right. And actually, we flirt with having the I-10 shut down on a daily basis with the way traffic is here. But you're right. Again, it's it should be so makes sense. It makes sense. Sensical to people that the fact that you have to argue Mm -hmm, it, it's just crazy. mm -hmm. It's it's almost like arguing whether or not you should feed your children. You know, it just so so. I do want to get to what's left in your platform, but I want to go back to. something else that's been going on here. And this is kind of, I wouldn't say it's inside baseball, but you talked about traffic. What do we do about tra- traffic <laughs> in this town?
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So traffic is another universal conversation that everybody hates it. Every, yeah, Everybody hates it. Everybody thinks something needs to be uh, done about it. And you know what I, and let me just say this, you know what I think unites us as a community is when we talk about the things That we agree on, and that we can fix, and that we can fix, and how we get to there. So, undoubtedly, um, as you well know, crisis came up. The organization with some recommendations Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how we alleviate traffic. And the truth be told, we almost need all of those recommendations to really make the profound impact that uh, that is needed. So, uh, in the meantime, when I become mayor, we'll decide which one we're going to do first. As a um, as a city and parish last week, uh, the governor already initiated uh, his commitment.
0: I heard about that. They're going to be giving mm-hmm. East Baton Rouge money to overtake some roadways that fall within the. parish. Exactly.
1: And so that is that is going to help. But yeah. in my administration, I am going to have a traffic engineer as part of my as one of my cabinet positions. So someone mm. will be designated to help with the uh, to take action on traffic, and that will be part of their uh, their job description. Okay, it'll be part of their uh, job description. But also, I think it's very important when we talk about. Uh, traffic solutions, that we use existing smart technology to make traffic lights more efficient. Yes. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's important that we use every available transportation dollar to alleviate road congestion. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's very important that we talk about multimodal transportation for our community what does that mean that means that you know what are the different ways that we can get around our city okay and are we opening up
0: you're not a th- proponent of that doggone gondola
1: they want to hang between two buildings downtown are you no that's that's <laughs> not my idea of multimodal i'll tell you my idea of my idea of multimodal is how do you connect the city right. whether it's through you know bikes whether it's through public transportation yeah. How do you connect? How do people get around the city with different forms of transportation? And I think we have to talk about that.
0: Well, but but that's going to take a paradigm shift for people in the town, because there are people in this town that just are not going to get on a cat's bus partially because they don't need to. And then some because of the reputation the agency has has
1: gotten. Yeah. yeah. So listen, Clay, we have to rebrand cats. Everybody knows that. I mean, we could not move forward with CATS in the form that it is in what today. What does rebranding mean? Rebranding means that we, uh, we have a transportation system that you feel like you want to access if you want to park and ride. Mm-hmm. It means that we, uh, if there are areas perhaps where we can have uh, Uber-type t- technology yeah. so people know when the bus is coming or a smaller form of mm-hmm. transportation is coming. Do we
0: need as many buses?
1: Um, I, I think that we—that's part of the rebranding sure. and assessing process. Maybe you know,
0: vans or large vans. Yeah, we've got to
1: look at all. That's part yeah, of that multimodal sure. concept. But that opening I'm it all
0: about. up and taking a look. Yeah, is it.
1: okay. how do we connect our community through transportation? Because because, because th- it's going to take a minute before all those interstate it, issues it, take. It it, uh,
0: it uh, absolutely develop. will, and I think you will agree that when that tax comes around again, and you know we're we're about halfway through mm-hmm. that cat's tax, it's going to have a devil of a time getting extended because of there was so much rancor when it passed. And I think it's going to be another fight. Well, that would happen right in the midst of a Sharon Broom uh, term Mm -hmm. as mayor. And so that's something you'd have to look at Uh, the, the interstates and all of that. Specifically, though, you talked about light, you know, dealing with light technology for synchronization, The connectivity of our streets. Generally speaking, during the day, if I can help it, I don't get on the interstate. But I've been here long enough to know how to move around Baton Rouge without it. Right. So, how do you? What do you do about that though? The the way that the city flows. I Mm -hmm. I don't think that the the layout of the city took into an account that we'd be as large as we are right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So, what about that?
1: Yeah. Well, it's my understanding that with within some of the plans for our city Mm -hmm. that it it. You can see how the city can be connected sure. through, through different modes of uh, transportation. One of the as, you, as we talk about, you know, we've let me back up for a minute. We've seen some projects that have taken place, many with the Green Light Program, yeah. that have opened up corridors, that have smoothed out transportation mm-hmm. off True. of the off of the interstate. True. You and I both know some True. of them. We True. travel some of them, and so very soon the um, present mayor is going to be talking about a green light renewal. Uh, I'm just saying. That's that's true, but I I, I, I don't have...
0: The climate in this town right now, For it is not good. I think you will agree. (laughs) This fall, you've got the U.S. Senate election, the presidential election, the mayoral election, the city council races, and the Council on Aging has a tax initiative on the ballot. So let's say this does not pass. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is there is theory that you'd have to wait two years. I don't know because we've got a couple of local seats that might require a special election next fall because we've got a school board member who's running for a council seat, and that seat would have to be filled, uh, I believe. So I haven't spoken to Tom Shedler. I, I do plan on having that conversation, so I'm not fishing you into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I said all that to say what happens if it doesn't pass? Mm-hmm. And then if you if you're elected, you go in. Yeah. Now this happened last year and mm-hmm. didn't didn't succeed. What do mm-hmm. you do then?
1: Well, I, I think you revisit the issue in terms of um, you know people certainly that I talk to are very committed and concerned about infrastructure sure. issues.
0: Sure, I am. It's it flooded out here today as yeah. as we sit yeah. and record this. It stormed earlier. Yeah,
1: and and then I don't think that people like driving on streets where. They feel like they have to go to the chiropractor after they, <laughs> after they, after they leave. You know, after they drive on a street. Well,
0: hell no! <laughs> and the boat went by me on Government Street this morning. The water was so high.
1: Yeah. So, so I believe that you know if it doesn't, uh, and I think we're you know it's kind of premature to yeah. say right now we don't yeah. know. So we revisit the issue and we we get community stake. Uh, holders involved in the conversation. Because once again, as I have traveled throughout this parish, those are some of the concerns. And and at the end of the day, Clay, people all over the parish want a good quality of life. No question. You know, they want to live in safe neighborhoods. They want good streets. Mm -hmm. They don't want water flooding all the time. So we've got to make sure that we uh, focus on the issues that um, our prime our priorities for the citizens right. uh, that we serve I have a friend and, and you probably know him as well and his his common theme to me over the years is people want basic services <laughs> yes
0: I do know who you're talking about Yes,
1: he says people want basic services <laughs> yes, and yes. so he's, I, right. I, I, he's right
0: clean streets smooth streets safe streets. Mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of what they yeah, want because yeah. we can we can go another twenty minutes talking about cutting the grass in Baton Rouge, but, oh, yeah. but but you know that's a whole thing. So how can people learn more about the broom doctrine?
1: The, the broom doctrine, did you yeah, say doctrine, that?
0: yeah, yeah. Your, your campaign and
1: everything. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never well, heard you, you have doctrine, like right? Like I do. <laughs> I do. I know what doctrine means. Yeah, she's a
0: communications <laughs> professor that, looking that, at me that, over
1: yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I, if nobody has ever used that particular term. Well, certainly they can uh, go to our website. In fact. Um, uh, by the time this comes on the air, we yep. will be uh, enhancing sure. our our platform in terms of putting more information out there. I've been communicating it to people uh, for months now, as I've had what's that uh, web address? M- meets meet and greets, and the uh, address is uh, SharonForMayor.com. Okay. And also, Clay, I always welcome input from individuals because sure. I believe that uh, when you cast a vision. People have to see themselves in that vision. And, and my goal is to uh, be transparent and, and forthright with the people at all times, but to also engage them in, a, in the process of what's taking place in, in the city that they love and cherish as well. So I welcome, one of the things I've always said is, you know, I, I, I know how to lead. I will lead. But being a leader does not mean that you know everything. And so, there are a lot of people who have some great expertise in some areas that impact the city. And so, I welcome those conversations as well.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, candidate for mayor president, Sharon Weston Broom, and you can learn about the Broom Doctrine. It's catchy, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you said it's sharonformayor.com. Yes,
1: yes.
0: Thank you for coming on. I'll Thank see you the next com- time.
1: I, I'm looking forward to coming back. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: promote your business or organization on podcast 225.com podcast 225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for louisiana listeners every month thousands hear the weekly clay young show every week clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. So there you have it, the first of several conversations with candidates for mayor. Senator Broom was very passionate, as you heard. And what about that? She, at one time, wanted to be a member of the Baton Rouge Police Department. Uh, she was very passionate. I told you guys that in the open of the show. And hopefully you got a chance to hear her thoughts on where Baton Rouge is, where it should be headed. I know you got a chance to hear her passion. We are, we're going to have similar conversations with a couple of the other candidates. And if someone running for office in any of these local elections is interested in being on the show... You can contact me, Clay, at podcast225.com, or as many people do via Facebook or on Twitter, at Clay ClayYoungBR. It has been fun. Check us out every week by hitting that subscribe button and tell your friends about The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com.
1: Thanks for listening. Join us
0: next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.